Hey, am I good to go? Good to go, Wayne. Ezekiel 37. We've been talking about that um, for the last couple of weeks. And so, oh, Orion, Pastor Ryan, can you give out the notes? We've been talking about Ezekiel 37 for the last uh, few weeks. And uh, while Ryan's giving out the notes, I'll just read it. Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit. And the Lord set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you, and make flesh come upon you, and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life, and stood upon their feet, a vast army. I want to talk about how to voice God here on earth. So um, if you look at your notes, it says, voicing God and that's a critical part of what churches are supposed to do on earth and we are supposed to do and so that's what we'll be talking about so when you think of the voice of God guys there is the voice of God which was heard clearly by people in the Old Testament and the New Testament and so in 2nd Peter 1 16 to 18 Peter is uh, saying that hey we are not following some cunningly devised fable. We were there on the mountain when we heard the voice from the glory, as in he's, he's referring to the sovereign God of the entire universe, the Alpha and Omega, and Peter and John actually heard it. If you go to Second Peter, this is 40 years after it happened, and Peter is still so excited about it that he starts writing, and even as you read it, you realize that it's left such an impression on him. Second Peter 1, 16 to 18. And here's what he says. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when, you, when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For we received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from the heaven, and when we were with him on the sacred mountain. So there is this thing called the voice of God, which they actually heard. And this is in the New Testament. Eh? 40 years later he's still so caught up with it that he says you guys don't know why I am willing to lay my life down because I have heard him who the beginning and the end of the entire universe of whom there is no end 
This is who we are dealing with when we talk about Ezekiel 37 or when we talk about voicing God. This is no, this is not some guesswork. This is not some, ah, maybe it is, maybe it is. And no, this is the ability of a people in whom God dwells to be able to voice him. And it's such a cool responsibility and privilege that we must do everything to cultivate, not in fear, but with excitement, the same kind of excitement that Peter is showing here. So there is that voice of God. Then there is the voice of God in creation. The voice of God in creation. If you go to Psalm 19, <laughs> there's one place in Psalm 19 where it says, day in, day out, night in, night out, even though there is no sound, creation speaks. Psalm 19. <coughs> Psalm 19, verse 2 to 4. And it's this that then Paul takes in Romans and says, man has no excuse to not seek God because creation gives evidence of him. He borrows the idea from Psalm 19 where it says in verse 2 to 4, day after day they pour speech, night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. I love it, eh? There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. And what are we talking about? Verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. The voice of God is evident in creation on a daily basis in every speech and every language. A man has no excuse to not see God. A question often asked is, Oh, well, how unfair is it that people do not know about Jesus and so they will die without knowing Jesus? How can a fair God do that? This fair God has given so much evidence that if you even slightly look up at God, he just is waiting to burst forth onto your screen. But that's for another day. The third way God speaks is through the word, through the word, in the word. So there is the voice, then there is his voice in creation, then there is the voice in the word. Yep, there is the voice in the word. Hebrews 4 verse 12, uh, that the word of God is alive. So it's not some dead thing on a piece of paper. I mean, how is it that a, that a guy who hasn't been to church, and I'm really dissing him right now, only to lift him up later, uh, who hasn't been to church in the last five months, reads Matthew 4, 12 or 16, and is convicted that he should now forgive those around him. How does that happen, man? The word has power in it. It has a voice that begins to speak because it's alive. It says it's like a two-edged sword that begins to cut. We've fallen into the trap of thinking that as long as the gospel is preached everywhere, that's good enough, God will come. Hey, there is a voice in the word that must come out. And that voice is, to the word is given by his people now. It does happen this way to where you're reading the word and it convicts. But if the preaching of the gospel could save everybody, thousands would be saved by now. There is the word and the voice of the word must come out and it comes out through a people which we'll talk about a little later. Amen. 
So there is the voice of God in his word, just like it happened with him, just like it's happened almost to everybody here, where at some point, the word of God did something in you, started life in you, man, changed you, turned you around, delivered you, broke you free, created something in you. Amazing how the word of God does this. Read it to listen. Read it to listen. Faith comes by hearing the voice of God in the word. Got to change that around a little. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God must be um, understood as faith comes by hearing the voice of God in the word. This has been his favorite way of giving life, of destroying things and of rebuilding things. Trace back God to the beginning of time. The beginning of time, not to the beginning of God. The beginning of time, trace him back to the beginning of time and the one thing you see him doing again and again is he uses his voice. He uses his voice to create, he uses his voice to build, he uses his voice to tear down. Imitate God. The fourth way that God speaks is through, at one time, his holy prophets and now through Ones who preach. It says in Ephesians 3, 5 that God used to speak once upon a time through his holy prophets. And now again he's speaking through his apostles and prophets. That's in Ephesians 3, 5. And then when you go to Romans 10 where it says, how will they hear unless someone preach? God's word goes out through ones who preach. And who are the ones who preach? Not preachers, but you. And then the last one. God's voice goes out through the ministry of his body, as in us. Every time we minister, man, he speaks to people through our ministry. Every time we minister, he speaks through people. He speaks to people through our ministry. Paul put it this way when he wrote to wrote to the Corinthians. He said in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 3, the guys, don't you know that you are our epistles? You are the letters that we have written. It's not written with ink, but it's written by the Spirit so that others can read. God, God's voice goes through my conduct, man. God's voice goes through the things I do. My God, I am a letter people can read. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 2 and 3. People must, when I meet your friends, they must tell me what they read. Not because they read the Bible, but because today they spent time with you and they read you. That is so cool, huh? that I can go spend time with somebody and people read God and God is voiced. Any questions? Different ways God speaks, man. He voices himself. Ezekiel 37 is about voicing God. Can God speak directly? Yes, he can. But do you notice in Ezekiel 37 that he chooses not to? He could have easily gone into that valley and said to the bones, just like he said during creation, let there be, and he could have created. But Ezekiel 37 is, it shows the nature of God since he moved and began to live amongst men. That listen, if you are my body, then you are my mouthpiece. 
Hello, we can't just be the body and say, you can have my body, but you can't have my mouth. Jeremiah 17 or Jeremiah 15, I think. Jeremiah 15, God actually says, hey, Jeremiah, if you don't separate the nonsensical and the vile from that which is wise, you can't be my mouthpiece. One of the things God loves using the body for is to be his mouthpiece. Us as his mouthpiece. See, the thing is, guys, it says in John 5, 21, that the father can raise the dead and give them life, and the son has life in himself, and he can give life too. So the father and the son can give life, but he has chosen to use our words to give life. How did Jesus give life? Lazarus, come out. How did God give life? Let there be light. What else, which other way did he give life? He would breathe and there would be life. God uses words to give life. He, can, he still does that, but for some strange reason, he says, if you are my body and you are the visible image now of the invisible Jesus at present, then please use your mouths and begin to let the world know who I am, what my nature is like, what I want, what my will is, what I dislike. Do it through your conduct and your speech. It is fascinating how in every episode, one thing that is emphasized again and again by Paul is, hey guys, make sure your speech is um, wholesome. To the point that James says in James chapter 3, that a man who has command of his tongue is a man who has perfected himself. Yep. Ezekiel 37, 4 to 6. God is speaking, and he could have easily gone into the valley of bones, spoken directly to the bones, but he doesn't. Instead, he outlines what he wants Ezekiel to say. And then Ezekiel says in 37, 7 and 37, 10, so I prophesied as I was commanded. So I prophesied as I was commanded. Not as I named and claimed it, not as I willed it, not as I wanted it, but I prophesied as I was commanded. Which is why this church puts such an emphasis on continuously learning how to hear God. And there'll never be an end to it. Like I always say, next year my hearing will be better than it is next, this year. So there's never going to be an end to this. Why is it that hearing is such a, an important quality in the church? Because once we hear the word of God, we can do what he commands us to. Besides the written word, there is this thing called the living word. And the living word is not a thing. It is a person and it is Christ. And he is speaking. Because Deuteronomy 8.3 and Luke 4.4 4 say that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's not an occasional thing that happens. It proceeds from the mouth of God. There is something called the proceeding word and there is something called the preceding word. The preceding word is what God already said. The proceeding word is what God is still saying and continues to say. Live by the preceding word and like Moses, you will strike the rock when you should speak to it. Live by the proceeding word and suddenly you begin to be where God is. This is why hearing must be continually cultivated. If you can't hear, don't throw up your arms in resignation. None of those children do. They get up and they start again. And mama and papa are so encouraged because a kid gurgled something and the mother thinks it said mama. And then they Keep that on for the, they take videos of that and show everybody who comes to the house for the next 
six months. Parents are delighted. Where do you think the delight comes from? The delight comes from the father. If you can hear this much, praise God, blessed are you, because you're listening to an invisible person with an inaudible voice. And tomorrow when you listen this much more, this is why churches do not put an emphasis on listening. It is a work of the enemy to, to raise up a people who are good at everything, good at theology, good at hermeneutics, good at all those big words, but not good at hearing. Desire it, eh? Passionately. Grow in it. There'll never be an end to it. 60 years from now, you'll still be um, you'll still be learning. Don't worry, I'll come back in. It's kind of getting hot. So Ezekiel prophesies and he begins to cause the bones to rise. Guys, your voice, and I've said this before, your voice is a forerunner. Your voice is a forerunner. As, it, as in it runs before the real thing comes in. Your voice is a forerunner. And therefore it prepares or um, opens the way of the spirit before you even get there. Your voice goes before you, eh? Your voice goes before you. Think like that, think like that. My voice, once I hear a command from God, must go before me because it goes ahead and prepares the way for the things of God to happen. Why do you think God would send prophets ahead of anything he wanted to do? Why do you think he sent John the Baptist? Because whenever God is about to do something, he always does it only after speaking about it. God speaks before he does. These are patterns. It's not that God is predictable, but he does give us glimpses into certain patterns of his nature. And then he reveals it in the word where he actually says in Amos that I do reveal things to my prophets before I do it. Or he says in other places that I will send someone before to announce what I'm going to do. John the Baptist, prepare either way. Elijah, to change Israel from apostasy to um, alignment with God. There's all, um, Paul, sent him so that Jew and Greek can become one. Peter, sent him so that the Holy Spirit could fall upon uh, both Jew and uh, the Jews gathered in Jerusalem. Joel, sent him ages ago to tell people that the Spirit of God will fall. Abraham, sent him to declare that all nations shall be blessed. God announces far ahead of time what he is going to do, which then means that we as forerunners must do the same. This is why you'll hear me saying things about what Acts 29 will do sometimes three years down the line because I don't even know how to do it. So I pretend that I know it to impress you, but I really have no idea. But my voice must go ahead. How to do it, I'll figure it out later. But I can't hold back what God is saying he wants to do with us. And the same with you. When I speak to you individually, I say things, I don't know how they're going to happen. I have no idea. I look wise, but I'm not. And then I say it, and you'll have to wait. And thank God, God is merciful, and he lets you in on it. Your voice is a forerunner. Any questions? Thing is, guys, vocalize immediately what God is saying. Because once you vocalize your faith, it identifies you with the words, with the works, with the expectations, and the heart of God. Vocalize. Vocalize as soon as possible your faith. Because when you vocalize your faith, it identifies you with the words, the works, 
and the expectations that you have and the heart of God. People don't like saying what they think God is going to do because they are scared that if I say it and it doesn't happen, I'll look foolish. Silence is an attractive option because it spares you ridicule, it spares you active engagement of faith and spares you from wrestling with God. So in that sense, silence is an attractive option, but it's really not an option because it allows conditions that exist presently to continue. Did you hear that? Silence is not an attractive option because it allows conditions that presently exist to continue. Elijah would interrupt the woman as she would talk about, but I only have this much flour and this much oil and I'm going to die shortly. He'd keep interrupting. uh, Could you just stop your whining and go make me uh, some cake? And so there was this need to interrupt what sometimes people say. This is not a name it, claim it thing. This is not create your destiny with your own words. This is the ability to agree with God when he has commanded or shown something so visible that I must say it and vocalize my faith because it brings me into a place where there are expectation works and words from the heart of God that I am now identifying with. And once you identify it with it, it becomes you or you become it. you get pregnant, announce it. Don't wait for three months. If you're going to get a job, announce it. Don't wait for till you get the job. What are you saying? You know, I've got this strong feeling that I'm going to get this job. It hasn't come yet, but I just want you guys to know that uh, there have been three jobs like this that I didn't get, but I, I got this sense that I'm at the brink of a breakthrough, so I just want to let you know. What you sense God saying either from his nature or his word or from a promise or a direct word or some kind of way where God has conveyed, hey, I got your back. Yeah. Voicing God. To, 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 to announce God once your bacon's fried, even a chef in Denny's can do that. But to announce it before you have a fire, now God will have to show up. That's the difference. And then people are watching it because you might fall flat on your face, which is a present reality, but this is the fun of it. What if you fall, fall flat on your face? Well, you can do what Kamal did. Get up, come back looking handsomer. I'm making fun of his pain, but his pain is now so long ago that he doesn't remember. It's really good to have you back, Kamal. He didn't have pain at all. There you go. Wow. Awesome, man. Did he crack jokes while he was in hospital? You should have asked the (laughs) You should have asked the doctor. Doctor, what's your level of pain right now? Silence is not an option, guys. I mean, 
Acts 4, 29, 30. Oh God, look at their threats and grant us the boldness to speak your word. Grant us the boldness to speak your word without compromise. And as we do, would you cause the hand of your holy servant, Jesus Christ, to be stretched out in signs, miracles, and wonders? And the place shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That aside, Psalm 8 verse 2 goes into effect. Psalm 8 verse 2 says that out of the mouth of babes, I have ordained strength because of your enemies so that you can silence the avenger. Out of the mouth of babes, I have ordained strength because of your foes so that you may silence the avenger. As in Jacob, I know there are no, uh, there's no cattle in the stall. There are no um, figs upon the tree. But I really want you to believe what I've already said. And I want you to begin to speak. Declare your expectations, Jacob, off me. Because you know me as faithful. Have I ever failed you? Nope. Okay? Then begin to speak, Jacob. Begin to speak. Because out of the mouth of babies like you, childlike people like you, Jacob, I have ordained strength. What kind of strength? Strength that makes you strong, Jacob. Strength that makes others strong, Jacob. And strength that dismantles the ploys of the enemy because it silences the avenger. Because of your foes sometimes, burst out in praise-filled, faith-filled statements of God's intent. Boys, God. It's being taken away from the church, not by the world, not through persecution. Let's not kid ourselves. This ain't persecution. It's being taken away from the world by a culture that seeps in and takes away our voice. You know, in the, on Mount Sinai, when God appeared in Deuteronomy 4 verse 12, it says... God spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of his words, but you saw nothing. You didn't see a form. You only heard a voice. The great thing is now God's voice has form. Guess what form it has? You. How lovely are on the mountains are the feet of them that proclaim good news. This is why my, once I start speaking this way, my conduct has to match not my speech. My conduct has to match the nature of God. It's not practice what you preach. It is practice the nature of God so that you can preach the nature of God. My conduct has to match the nature of God if I am going to start speaking on behalf of God. And the speaking comes first. God isn't waiting for perfect vessels because he'd have to wait Till the cows come home. He can make them come home soon. But the point is this. That God first starts with speech and then goes continually trying to change me to make my practice match his nature. So don't be afraid of, I can't speak till I'm perfect. You won't be. Look at you. That was supposed to be encouraging. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Don't, don't wait for perfection. Start speaking. And as you speak and you find that, ah, oh, shucks, I am actually speaking for God. Something strange begins to happen, man. You begin to shape up. This is the odd thing, eh? I mean, I remember a guy telling me about this man who used to work for Xerox um, USA from the head office. Used to be really high up. And he would, whenever he would go on meetings, he would dress up so well because he represented one of the largest companies in the world would dress up extremely well board planes come back 
looking like really well-dressed. Why? Because he said, I represent this company, and once I start speaking for them, I have to behave the part. It is strange how once you start speaking for God, you start behaving the part. God has this amazing ability to start you working for him, and as soon as you start working for him, you have a desire to change, because you know now that I got to match what I say from him with who he is. So the more silent you are, the easier it is to live undercover in plain clothes. The more you speak for God, or the more you speak on behalf of God, the more you speak from the nature of God, the more you work, let's forget speaking, the more you act on behalf of God, the more you will find your conduct changing. Odd, eh? Any questions? You are the form that the voice takes now. I love Isaiah 61 verse 1. Isaiah 61 verse 1 puts it this way. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then the spirit of the sovereign God, again, that same God who spoke on that um, mountain when Peter and John were there. The spirit of the sovereign God is upon me. And then when you read three times in one verse, is this word that is repeated again and again, to proclaim freedom to the captives, to proclaim the year of favor, to proclaim the good news. There is a voice being given. Why can't the Spirit of God do it himself? Why can't he do it with everybody like he did with Pavan? He chooses not to because he decided that he will move out of a temple, move into a people. They will be called his body. They will be called his bride. He will be their bridegroom. She will speak for him. They will speak for him. This is decided and so it shall be. You give words for me. You give words for me. God speaks before he acts. God speaks before he acts. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Beautiful verse. He is the invisible radiance. He is the invisible image of the visible radiance of God. Or he is the visible radiance of the invisible image, invisible God. And then it says, and he upholds all things by his word. He upholds all things by his word. Sure, gravity keeps us rooted on the ground. Sure, there must be gravitational forces that keep the planets in orbit. But behind it all is one who upholds the entire system with. Imitate him. Imitate him not to rule, not to dominate. Imitate him to be an echo chamber for him. That's all you are. Echoing the heart of God. Derek, 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 Derek. Echo the heart, heart, heart. Oh. Derek was sleeping, he suddenly woke up. <laughs> he almost said yes, Lord, and then he saw me.
Guys, you are a spirit word being. John 3, 6 says that you, flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. And Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, he's talking about how to get born again. And he's, so, so in John 3, 6, it says you were birthed by the spirit. You were not, you're not just flesh and blood that your mom gave birth to. Something transpired some years ago, whenever it happened. You're a spirit word being. John 3, 6, spirit gives birth to spirit. This is Jacob. The, the, the outer body, sure, my dad and mom had a part to play in it. But the person I am right now was birthed by the spirit of God, man. And then in 1 Peter 2, verse 23, it says, you were not conceived from mortal sperm, but from immortal seed called Christ. This is my real makeup, because this body will decay one day. I'll have a brand new body. The point is this, that I am a spirit word being. So operate out of the substance that you actually are. You're a spirit word being. Operate out of the substance that you actually are. Begin to cultivate continuously, and I'll never tire of saying this. Begin to cultivate continuously hearing. Oh man, it is the one pursuit of my life that I thank God is active every day and will keep increasing every day. Don't measure your increase in, did God speak today? Measure your increase in one year from now. Ah, shucks, Father. I'm doing much better in this area than you, uh, than I used to. Don't measure it daily. That's like, I don't know whether you've tried it. I've tried it and I've stopped. I mean, you go stand on the weighing machine yesterday and then you go stand today. And nothing changes, man, even though you didn't eat from yesterday to today. And then you decide, okay, you won't drink water for the whole day. Maybe I'll go stand on the, in the evening. And I go stand on in the evening. I haven't eaten anything. I haven't drunk anything. And I've gone up by 200 grams. How is that possible? Do not weigh yourself every day. Do not weigh yourself, period. Doesn't bring it. <laughs> the point is this, guys. That you don't measure hearing every day. You measure it over a period of time. And trust me, others will see it before you see it. Because it's an actual change that's happening. Where your spirit becomes keen. I was writing this line yesterday and I began to cry. Uh, I won't cry today. I thought I would, but no emotions are coming up right now. So... Too bad. <laughs> uh, the invisible spirit yearns jealously for visibility through me. The invisible Holy Spirit yearns jealously for visibility through me. The invisible Holy Spirit yearns jealously for visibility through me. Because he actually thinks, like I've said before, he actually thinks this body belongs to him, eh? And he has absolute right to, because in 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 19 or thereabouts, it says, don't you know that your body is the temple, that you've been purchased at a price, you no longer belong to yourself, that you belong to him, and that the Spirit of God lives in you. And so, for the Spirit of God, when I wake up in the morning, it's like, how long? Let's go. I mean, this body is mine, this mouth is mine, these eyes are mine, we've got places to go, things to do. Get up, Jacob. And then, once I do, it's this thing that 
he desires jealously that can I become visible through you so that Christ may be made evident. And one of the ways God becomes visible is through voice. Amen. God works happen when God words are vocalized. God works happen when God words are spoken. God works happen when God words are spoken. I'm not saying that's the only way. I'm saying it's, again, a pattern that you will see in Jesus' life in the life of all the famous prophets and the guys lined up in Hebrews chapter 11, in the life of Paul and others, God words hap- God works happen when God words are spoken. And when these works happen, they voice, it's like a virtuous cycle, they voice the presence of Jesus in that place. God works happen when God works. You know, someone asked me a question a couple of days ago. Very excitedly, the person asked me the question. So, how has the last week been? Any miracles? And uh, it just made me sit back because the question that was excitedly asked was, hey, so how was your last week? Any miracles? And I thought to myself, things did happen, but no miracles. And I went back and I said to the Lord, Father, we've got to work on this now. Any miracles? And last week there were no miracles. There were amazing God encounters, God conversations, God doing things, but there weren't any miracles. I don't want people to come and ask me, so how was the last two weeks? Any miracles? Uh, and me saying, mm-hmm, great things happened. I don't want to do that. I can't make God do things. It's out of question. He isn't anyone's puppet. But there must be an expectation of a, of a mega-sized God in my life. You know, there's a theme that I want to introduce between now and Christmas. And perhaps it'll spill into the last year, next year. And here's the theme. Present God and present God. Present God, as in may God's presence be in your life or in our midst. Present God, as in may his presence be evident. When people walk in, may they see the um, way you are, the way we are, the way we sing. The, and may his presence be known. So that's one side of it, present God. And the other side of it is present God, as in present him to people. Let him be known through you. Present God and present God. We'll talk about it next week. But this is something I really want to explore as a church. How do we do that? Where we can present God wherever we go accurately, and yet we present God because we, are, we become 
we we've learned we've learned how to for the lack of a better word host we've learned how to become conscious of his presence not host his presence this belongs to him we'll talk about that more next time remember god works happen when god words are spoken romans 15:16 paul is saying uh, you know for paul it never occurred that words and works don't go together in romans 15:16 uh, or 15:19 he says that hey guys i went around proclaiming and as i went around proclaiming the holy spirit empowered my proclamation but the holy spirit also did signs wonders and miracles for him god works and god words went together and like i said here god works happen when god words are spoken you will find that there is a greater proclivity towards god works in your life and around you when god words are spoken and they're not spoken out of bravado they're not spoken out of wishful thinking they're not spoken out of quoting scripture they are spoken because somewhere deep inside you you have begun to come to a place where you are absolutely assured of the goodness of god and you're absolutely assured of the fact that his presence is in you we'll talk about that next week i don't know enough about it yet i can fake it but i already let you in on that secret guys jesus put it this way and i pray god that it becomes your desire to the words i speak to you are spirit and life the words i speak to you are spirit and life desire that eh the words i speak to you are spirit and life it's the hardest with the people closest eh make mistakes with them they usually don't leave but with the rest of the world <laughs> just make sure hey uh, bernice can you hear with this on my neck kind of no okay just in case people thought this was an ornament it's not yeah okay so guys here's the thing desire that whenever you meet with people it uh, desire that two years from now it's very natural for you to speak words of spirit and life because jesus said the words i speak to you are spirit and life in john 5:25 the second part i love what jesus says and who do you think he's going to do it through jesus says it this way he says soon the dead will hear the voice of the son of god the dead will hear the voice of the son of god those who hear it will live this he is saying just shortly before he goes to the cross who do you think that this voice will go through the dead will hear the voice of the lord and they will live it, it is a replay of ezekiel 37 thousands of years before that ezekiel says I don't know God what do you want to do and God says prophesy breathe and they will come to life and then Jesus a thousand years later is saying soon the dead will hear the sound of the voice of God and they will live through whom and they will live John 10:16 this verse blew my mind not only god's not interested in just his children hearing his voice he says i have many other sheep that are not yet part of this fold i am going out to go and get them and when i speak to them they will hear my voice and respond too hallelujah 
that the voice of God is not limited to believers. The voice of God, the dead shall hear. The unbeliever shall hear. The hard-hearted shall hear. The ones whose heart is not open to God will hear. That is what the voice of the Son of God does, man. It brings life. If he only brought life to those half alive, then what's the point? This is God. He is good at giving life to the dead. This is why if we can align ourselves with the ways and the will of God in different circumstances, different times, different days, just so malleable, then the sheep that are not in the part of the flock yet will hear the voice of God and enter the sheepfold. This was the whole idea of the river flowing from the throne of God. Wherever it went, it changed that which was dead into pools of water where fish were teeming. And the fishermen stood by En Gedi and they cast their nets and they hauled in the fish. This is not for believers only, man. We have the privilege of hearing and now calling in. Long ago when Gisela had a farm, in uh, Chilliwack, Yarrow. One of the things I'd like to do is go stand on the edge of the farm and there used to be a shepherd on the other side and he'd make all kinds of strange noises, man. And he, I couldn't even, he'd do something like that and all these sheep would come running from different corners. Bob, right? Yeah. It's amazing how a word in season can bring those that, how did you come to God? Because someone at some point said something that clicked. What, what made me tick was when a guy came and said to me, you won't even get the scraps that fall off the table. What a word to draw someone into Christ. <laughs> but that made something alive in me, man. Hey, we are, we are so fortunate that we get to explore all this, eh? What's scary is you will never get this opportunity in heaven. You only get to try all of this out here. Once you're in heaven, it's over, man. I mean, it's, it's a new beginning, but it's over. <laughs> this, this you won't get anywhere else. This you only get here. Be in no hurry to die. People must hear the sound of their origin. I know some of you have heard Eddie talk about this. We even wrote a song around this. Uh, but for the sake of the tape and for ones who are new, in, uh, uh, Eddie talked about this bird in South Africa that was a rare kind of an eagle that was dying in a zoo. And so they decide to shoot it and they bring it out and they uh, throw it on the ground. And the, the guy who was doing it was hoping that the eagle would somehow try to fly, but it's just lying there, wings flopped over and not moving. And so they try shooing it or doing whatever makes birds fly, and it still doesn't react. It's just lying there, not moving. And so they decide, well, there's no other choice but to shoot it. And so as they prepare to shoot this bird, a, a, an eagle from the same breed starts circling the sky out of nowhere and it begins to call and as it begins to call this eagle on the ground slowly begins to fluff its wings and it keeps calling keeps circling the sky and this eagle begins to gain some strength and then begins to take a couple of ginger steps starts flapping its wings 
And before you know it, as this eagle in the sky keeps circling and calling out, this eagle begins to move, run, fly, and take off to meet that eagle in the sky. The first time I heard this story, I thought about the gosh, man. And, and, and Eddie put it this way. When you hear the call of your origin, something happens within you. When you hear the call of your origin, something happens within you. It bursts every bond. It infuses a kind of strength that is divine, where suddenly something transpires inside. Tomorrow you may not have the same emotion, but you have something inside you that begins to not tick. And I pray God that we become that eagle in the sky that's calling out. I pray that when you come here on a Sunday like this, during the time of worship or during the teaching, that out of the word, the voice of God may go out and begin to do that very same thing inside you so that for the rest of the week, you become the eagle in the sky. I remember writing a song after that and it says, um, we are the... No, we are the... We, we are the something of the eagle calling. We are the sound of the eagle calling. Deep calls to deep from the mountaintop. There is something, man, about deep calling to deep. God can do that for unbelievers. God can do that for you. I pray, God, that you really take this to heart, man, because it actually works. Faith comes by hearing, guys, but hearing the voice of God, eh? Hearing the voice of God. It's the only thing I want to do when I teach. That, oh, God, as I teach, can your voice just begin to come out of my teaching because that does things to you man i've sat on the teachers man who are brilliant scholars and academics and you're struggling not to fall off to sleep even though you've slept for 11 hours and then you sit under some people and you haven't slept through the night and you're traveling and your eyes are like this because something is happening inside of you i hope that something is happening inside of you right now because i saw you falling off to sleep you don't know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Guys, uh, let me begin to end. <laughs> uh, you know, we don't need to be frightened of this voice like the guys in the Old Testament were frightened. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says that when they heard the voice of God, they were scared. They didn't know him. They didn't know him. They thought he was such a fierce, fiery kind of God. And yet... In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26, it says, we haven't come to a mountain like that that cannot be touched. We have come to Jesus. And Jesus is gracious. Jesus is gracious. But here's the odd thing. Even though he is gracious, his voice has the ability to change, to redirect, to separate you, to refine you. Let it happen. Do not refuse the divine voice. So why are you saying that, Jacob? Because, guys, as you begin to hear God and he begins to ask you to do things, do it happily. Jesus is gracious. Jesus is gracious. Do it happily. Do not be afraid. When he says something, do it. Take the risk. Fall if you have to. Get up wonderfully. Start again. I'm not afraid of God. It is the greatest victory in my life this year. While I was sitting here and singing one of the songs, uh, the first song, uh, Your Love is Amazing, and I was telling God, Father, this year has been brilliant because I'm not afraid of you at all. I'm not afraid of God. What a relief. 
He is gracious. His voice is gracious. Listen to it and take a risk. Hearing becomes easy when you see it succeed. Hearing becomes something that is nice when you do not attempt it. There's always a doubt. Here's the odd thing though. Deuteronomy 8 says, God humbled Israel in the desert and fed them manna so that they would learn that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I know I've said this before that bread was a means of self-sustenance, self-generated self-sustenance was what bread meant. And what was God's intent? I want to wean you away from all forms of self-generated effort and self-sustenance so that you live no longer by anything but by the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And here's the thing, when you don't, God will humble you. What does God will humble you mean? Humiliate you? No. Make you low? No. God will create circumstances that make you dependent on him. Learn fast, circumstances get easier. God humbling you is not God humiliating you. God humbling you is not God bringing you low. God humbling you is making you dependent on him. What does he want to do? Bring you to the end of your rope quickly. Why? Blessed are those that are bankrupt, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who are at the end of the rope, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those that are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. All three means the same thing. I find that whenever... I am working things through my effort, my connections, my expertise, my spiritual gifts, my talents, my abilities, that God at some point will say, Jacob, enough, and he'll start humbling me. And what is it? It is that even though I'm doing my best with all the connections I have, I'm not getting the results. And finally, nowadays, I come, the great thing about my life at present is I come to God faster. That's all, eh? Instead of taking 20 days, I come in three days, saying, I was trying it for three days, it really didn't work, and now I got it. I'm sorry I didn't get it immediately. Three days was long enough, look at me. And then, um, now that I'm dependent on him, he's able to bring it to pass quickly. I'm saying to some of us, man, you're trying so hard. You're trying so hard. And I'm telling you something, this is true too. And the thing is, at some point, if you don't stop your constant machinations to put life together he will bring you to a place of dependence why because he wants to be your father eric's story remember i talked to you about this eric's son decided he wanted to build a playhouse with chairs and um, bed sheets so he starts building a playhouse huge playhouse at the corner of the house and so Eric said, son, let me help you, because there were certain parts of the playhouse that weren't standing straight. So he said, let me help you. But Luke said, no, dad, I want to do this myself. And so he's trying to fix the playhouse and doing everything he can. Took hours, finally got it done. And uh, Eric said, son, you need my help. I need to pull this and pull that. No, 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 dad, I don't want your help. Could you just leave me alone? I want to do this playhouse myself. And then he sets everything else, goes into the playhouse, and the whole thing collapses on him. So now there's a kid under the house. And so then Eric like every good father should, crawled into this collapsed house. And sitting there with his son, he began to reconstruct the 
playhouse. And bit by bit, they put the chairs and the right things together till the playhouse began to look like a playhouse. But Luke worked on it for hours. Why? Because we do not come to the end of ourselves. Come to the end of yourselves when? And now, the conclusion. Really, I mean it. I'm doing pretty good for time. When I'm away for a week, my God, I long to come back and preach long. Because most other places I get only 35 minutes. <laughs> and like I said, in that in Chad's church, they even put up a clock. Huh? Like, not even a clock like that. A clock that's ticking down. And then in this church that I went to recently, it was one of the satellite churches, they got this Oscar thing, man, where the keyboard guy comes up and starts playing. So, so while I was preaching, I told him to go and sit back. He felt so embarrassed, he had to go sit down, because I said, I'm not going down. I'll tell you when to come up. So, guys, the other thing about the voice of God is this voice, when spoken as commanded, shreds the satanic realm. This voice, when spoken as commanded, shreds the satanic realm. It paralyzes the devil. Shreds the satanic realm. It paralyzes the devil. The three most frightening words that Satan ever heard was, it is finished. It was the death knell. But those words need to be, needed to be spoken. Remember one thing, guys. Satan does not read your mind. We, we, we've, we've been taught that Satan reads your mind. He doesn't. He, can, he knows your pattern, so he can bring the same thought pattern again and again so that you get duped into thinking he reads your mind. The devil does not read your mind. The Bible says there is just one who knows the thoughts of your mind, who knows the deep thoughts of your mind, and that is God. If Satan doesn't read your mind, a silent prayer is not effective. Words have to be spoken. The voice of God, according to the Bible, and I'll show you the scriptures and we'll end with that, the voice of God has the ability to shred the satanic realm. And it has the ability to paralyze the devil. Over the last 14 months, I've seen it so many times, it is exhilarating. I relish it. I lick my lips after it's done. Uh, the reason I'm not sharing much of it is either because I'll have to name people or because I haven't been either given permission by God or by men to share it. Otherwise, one day I'd love to share how words can wreak havoc in the demonic realm. In Isaiah 30, verse um, 31, it says the voice of the Lord will shatter Assyria. That's how it starts. In the message, it reads even more beautiful. But in Isaiah 30, verse 31, the voice of the Lord will tear the Assyrians apart. He will strike them down with his mighty rod. Assyrians, in this case, is a, is a power or a force that brought terrible brutality, bondage, and um, like ravaging to Israel. And the voice of God will tear the Assyrians apart. In... Um, Psalm 29, verse 2 to 4, it says the voice of the Lord will break the cedars. 
It will twist trees around. It will shake the desert. There is the voice of the Lord that begins to cause streams of water in the desert. But there is also the voice of the Lord that breaks and shatters. It is not a loud voice. Even though in the Psalms, God's voice, God's voice is portrayed as lightning and thunderbolt and his voice thundered that there was a mighty cataract or a waterfall. The truth is, God doesn't need to speak loud for things to happen. Psalm 18 verse 13, the voice of the Lord resounded and it scattered the enemy. The voice of the Lord resounded and it scattered the enemy. Let me conclude with Isaiah 30, verse 31 to 33. I've decided during times of worship that if there are any of the young men standing with their arms folded, that I'll go stand right next to them and start clapping in their ears so that they can start clapping too. Because sometimes we just need a little bit of encouragement. So I did that today. So if you go to Isaiah 30. Isaiah 30, verse 31 to 33. Uh, see if you can read it from the... Let's read it from the NIV first and then go to the message. Isaiah 30, verse 31 to 33. The voice of the Lord will shatter Assyria. With his rod he will strike them down. Every stroke... The Lord lays on them with his punishing club will be to the music of timbrels and harps as he fights them in battle with blows of his arm. Now let's go to the message. And here's what it says. Starting from verse 30. God will sound out in grandiose thunder. Displaying, display his hammering arm, furiously angry, showering sparks, cloudburst, storm, hail. Oh yes, at God's thunder, Assyria will cower under the clubbing. Every blow God lands on them with his club is in time to the music of drums and pipes. God in all-out two-fisted battle fighting against them. The idea is there is a thing to being animated in praise and worship because it visits upon the enemy's head the fury that is reserved for him and rightly so use these weapons man as you go this week may you desire to speak words of life may you desire to align yourself with God's voice and then begin to speak his voice because Isaiah 60 puts it this way, Arise and shine for your light has come. And the glory of the splendor, the weight and the magnificence, the cupboard of God has risen upon places where there was great darkness. I send you into great darkness this week. I go with you as God directs us. We don't have to go into the wilderness to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. But may the Holy Spirit lead you into places where there is thick darkness, so that your words bring light and life. Salt brings flavor, light displays the color. Go and be that, eh? I pray God that for us. Let's just pray.
Father, I just love the title, Voicing God. 